You're listening to episode 133 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. In today's episode, I wanted to take a few moments to share with you some of my favorite books from the past year. This has gotten to be a little bit of a tradition. Every December, I'll release a list of the books that I've read and been most impacted by in the previous 12 months. They're not necessarily books from this year, but books that I've read and wanted to share with you that have been impactful to me. I'd also love to hear the books you've been reading, so if uh, you enjoy this episode, maybe share either online or by contacting me through the website the books you've been reading and which have impacted you most. So here's my list. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas to everyone. The end of the year is almost upon us, and come January, the Pastor Writer Podcast will be three years old. That's hard for me to believe that I've been doing this for three years and had now well over a hundred guest conversations on the podcast. I want to say a big thank you to so many of you as listeners who have made this an incredible experience, and what a joy and a privilege it's been to get to know you and about the projects, the writing, the books that you've been working on over these past few years. It's become such a part of my weekly routine and my life that it's hard to imagine not doing it, and I don't have any anticipation of stopping soon. There's so much more still to come. I'm really excited about this upcoming year in particular. I've got some big announcements that are coming up in hopefully the next few weeks, some new opportunities for you as listeners, and I've already got some great guests scheduled for the new year. Uh, I want to keep having these conversations with authors to learn more about the topics they're passionate about and about the process they've gone through to write those books. And I want to keep bringing them to you, so hopefully they're as beneficial for you as they are for me. But for today, I want to wrap up 2020 with uh, what I've done over the last few years. I want to share with you a list of my favorite reads from this past year. These aren't the top books of 2020. There's so many of those lists that come out this time of year that I'll continue to be sharing books that have won awards from this past year. But instead, these are books that have impacted me in the past year. Some of them are new, but many of them are old books, and some of them books that I've reread over the past 12 months. Looking back over what you've read is a really interesting way of thinking about what has shaped you in the previous year, and in many ways, what God has been doing and teaching you through those books. I know that's always the case for me, and I always enjoy pulling up my Amazon checkout list, going back through my previous orders, and figuring out what were those books that really had an impact on this year. For me, this list is slightly different from previous years. I've spent most of 2020, as many of you know, working on a manuscript that I've currently titled Five Masculine Instincts. I've been reading a ton of books specifically for researching that manuscript. So a lot of my reading has been biased towards that topic that I've been digging as deeply into as I can. I just finished the first-ish draft of that manuscript this week, so stay tuned for more updates about it. But without further ado, I want to give you my favorite reads of 2020. Book number one, Letters to a Young Pastor, Timothy Conversations Between Father and Son by Eric Peterson and Eugene Peterson. You don't have to have listened to this podcast for much more than two episodes to know the impact Eugene Peterson has had on me personally. 
This year marked the second anniversary of his death, so it was a remarkable gift to receive more of his writings. His son Eric graciously published a compilation of letters written by his father on the work and the vocational identity of pastoral ministry. It's a wonderful read and often a personal side of Eugene that is fascinating and moving and and touching in so many ways. I can't recommend this book highly enough to you. You can also listen to my conversation with Eric specifically about the book. It's episode 128 on the Pastor Writer podcast. On another note, in 2021, Will Collier will be releasing a biography on the life of Eugene Peterson. It's titled A Burning in My Bones, the Authorized Biography of Eugene H. Peterson. The book will be out in March of 2021, and I've already got mine pre-ordered. You can as well. And Wynn is scheduled to be a guest on the podcast to talk about the book, so you won't want to miss that. Book number two, Myth and Meaning in Jordan Peterson, A Christian Perspective, edited by Ron Dart. This year, I've been reading a lot of the books that I know men are reading within culture. That includes deep dives into Stoicism, the reemergence of philosophers like Marcus Aurelius that are having a big impact on many men, some important male biographies, and of course, all of the rereading of Jordan Peterson's works. I've actually covered his works on the podcast and specifically in the blog as well. If you aren't familiar with Jordan Peterson, uh, ask maybe your 30-something nephew, and I bet he is, and can give you all of his opinions about him. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life released in 2018 and became the best-selling book of the year all over the globe. He's set to release his next book, Beyond Order, in 2021. Jordan Peterson is a complicated thinker, and I've written a few times about it on the blog, but wanted to re-familiarize myself with his work as I'm thinking and writing specifically for men this past year. I was really excited to pick up Lexham Press's compilation of essays on Peterson's work from a Christian perspective. It's a relatively academic read, but for anyone who's trying to think through the implications of Peterson's work and his success and what Peterson is saying about Christianity, what he isn't saying about Christianity, and how it impacts those with Orthodox Christian beliefs, it's a really helpful collection of essays for thinking through Peterson's work. If you're interested, I also have a podcast episode with the book's editor, Ron Dart, where we talk about the book and his essays particularly within it. Book number three. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. All right, that's clearly not a new book for 2020, and it's definitely not my first time reading it. But I did reread it this past year. As I worked on my own book, I kept coming back to C.S. Lewis, back to Mere Christianity, and back to the book Abolition of Man, not quite quite as well known. What can I say that hasn't already been said about Lewis, about Mere Christianity? Lewis' wisdom and prophetic vision for what lay ahead continues to amaze me. So much of what he writes about in Mere Christianity feels like it could have been written yesterday. It could have been published in 2020. I imagine this year won't be the last time that I read that book either, or the last time that I find new things in it. It seems to always have that experience for me when I open it again. If you haven't read Mere Christianity, this is your year to do it. You should. Uh, You can hardly look up a list of every uh, books every Christian should read and not find mere Christianity on that list. So make it a goal for 2021. For those who have read it, I'd recommend you read it again if it's been a while. There's a kind of contentment I find in reading books that I'm really familiar with, like mere Christianity, and I always manage to find things I missed in them before. All right, here's a slightly weird one for you. Book number four, Wishful Thinking, A Seeker's ABC by Frederick Biegner. 
This book is part of Beekner's lexical trilogy. It's more of a book of quotations than it is a book to sit down and read through. The book is arranged alphabetically by words such as love, sin, envy, agnostic, on and on through a whole series of words. Each word is given a paragraph or so of explanation in a way that only Beekner can. They're clever, they're thought-provoking, and they're incredibly well-written. It's great for researching a topic you might be thinking about, but I also keep my copy of the book on the nightstand and read a word or two each evening. I've got the other two of the books in the series ordered, and I'm excited to do the same with them in the upcoming year. If Beekner is new for you, I've got a great podcast conversation with the author Jeff Monroe, who recently published a book on reading Beekner. It's episode number 96. Book 5. A Book of Psalms, a translation with commentary by Robert Alter. When the coronavirus lockdowns began earlier this year, I was in the middle of preaching through the Book of Romans with my congregation. As my sermon shifted from in-person and usually 45 minutes in length to online and probably needing to be shorter than that, we decided to pause our study of Romans and spend several weeks in the Psalms. We picked particular Psalms relevant to the moment and then worked our way through the entire Psalms of Ascent. There are so many great books I could recommend on the topic of the Psalms. Eugene Peterson's Daily Reflections, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Prayer Book of the Bible, Tim Keller's The Song of Jesus. But I really enjoyed reading through Alter's translation of the Psalms and the notes, the commentary that go along with them. I've long been a fan of Alter's work. His books on the art of biblical narrative and the art of biblical poetry have had a massive impact on me and have made my past reading lists on this podcast. They should be required reading for anyone who really wants to understand and grow in their knowledge of Scripture, although those books are not necessarily easy reads. I've also really enjoyed many of his online lectures, which can be helpful for an introduction to those topics. But this book on the Psalms was a great way for me to work through the Psalms again and to hear them through his translation in a new way. The notes are helpful, but it's really just the experience of reading the Psalms in a fresh translation that I found helpful. Book 6. Gospel Virtues, Practicing Faith, Hope, and Love in Uncertain Times by Jonathan Wilson. I've been reading a lot over the past 12 months about virtue. Much of what I'm writing has been an attempt to explore how men can become better and how Christian faith leads us towards lives of virtue. Virtue is a topic that seems to be getting more attention in culture, but it's a complicated and ancient topic. And though it seems to come up so often in the Bible, I've been struck by how rarely that topic finds its way into our Christian preaching and teaching. Um, I don't hear a whole lot about it from Christian circles, although many of the greatest Christian thinkers through history have spent volumes of books reflecting, writing, and trying to lead people toward lives of virtue. I've spent time this year in Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. I've worked through some of Thomas Aquinas' teaching on the subject and have read some really good books like N.T. Wright's After You Believe or Stanley Hauerwas's book on virtue or Peter Kreef's Back to Virtue and Alistair McIntyre's classic book After Virtue. But this book, Gospel Virtues, has been one of the best for helping me think through the gospel's implications for ethics and virtue. How does the gospel lead us to think about living lives of virtue, living better lives? It's fairly academic in reading, but for someone who's really interested in that topic of virtue, it's one of the most helpful books, and some of it makes its way into the book that I've been working on. All right, here's one for writers. Book number seven, Bartlett's Familiar Quotations. 
There are a lot of great books on writing that I've read over this last year, and although I tend to try and avoid reading about writing whenever I'm doing writing, uh, I find that they get me distracted and I start using reading about writing as an excuse for actually doing the writing. This is one of those writing resources that I often turn to. I'll have many more of those writing book recommendations in episodes to come. But I want to offer you this encyclopedia of quotations as one of my favorite resources for writing. There are several of these compilations, including uh, specific volumes for Christian quotations, but I love Bartlett's for several reasons. When I'm researching a topic for a chapter, I often turn to this book to help me spark new ideas or to lead me to writers that I haven't read before or considered for that topic. Sometimes those quotes make it into the writing that I'm doing. I'll quote exactly what I discover in that book. But oftentimes they help me find new thoughts or new authors. They lead me to read things I wouldn't otherwise have known to read. With COVID, I've not been able to spend nearly as much time at my local seminary's library as I usually do when I'm writing. These quotation books offer me a way of doing what I often do in the library – finding a book that I'm looking for, and then sort of wandering around looking at the books that are around it. Books or compilations of quotations can be a similar sort of experience, just spending some time seeing what's been written, what's been said around the topic. Sometimes it's not that helpful, sometimes it's really helpful. But I always find myself learning new things and discovering new things to read. Bartlett's is one of my favorite for that search. Book number eight, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is another old one, and for me, another reread. I've read it several times. But it may be one of the most important books I've ever read. I think Bonhoeffer's Life Together is the easiest of his books to read, maybe with Cost of Discipleship somewhere alongside it. It's shocking how relevant to church today the book is. Amazing considering that Bonhoeffer wrote it while leading an underground seminary in Nazi-controlled Germany. But it's relevant because Bonhoeffer understood human nature and sin, and the real complexity and gift of Christian community for a believer. Someday I would love to write a kind of life together for today to try and help people recognize what Bonhoeffer gave us in this book because I found it so helpful in my own life. Nothing has impacted how I think about church, my role as a pastor within that community, and how Christians should be together more than this book. I read it again in 2020 as I wrestled with who our church was when we were not together, separated by this pandemic, and I'll probably read it again next year for, I'm sure, all sorts of new reasons. I'm sure it will keep teaching me as it has every other time I've read it. And I want to give a special thanks to my dear friend, Paul Smith, who this past year gifted me a first English edition of the book. I've got it sitting right here on the bookshelf beside my desk. Book 9, To End All Wars by Ernest Gordon. The book was originally titled Through the Valley of Kwai, but it was retitled after its adaptation into a motion picture. So if you go looking for it, To End All Wars is probably the one you'll find. The book is autobiographical and tells the story of how the Scottish officer Ernest Gordon came to faith in a World War II Japanese prisoner work camp. It's an unbelievable story about suffering, pain, death, but also hope and sacrifice that led to faith. I tell part of Gordon's story in the book that I'm working on, and while the movie is good and worth watching, as usual, the book is better. It's more articulate on matters of faith and how the gospel began to reshape the men within that camp. It's a great read and a true read, which makes it all the more impactful. Book number 10, 
The Old Man in the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. I've been reading and listening to a lot of Hemingway lately. Though Hemingway was raised in a devout Christian family, he doesn't seem to have been a follower of Christ. He's often crass, and much of his writing reads like a cocktail instruction manual as much as it does a novel. But his perception of men and of their impulses, which often for better and worse lead them, he's incredibly helpful, revealing, but also complex. He's a genius when it comes to writing. There's no one who can do as much with as little as Hemingway does, and I often find myself stopping just to sort of take in what he managed to achieve with that short, abrupt sentence. It really is worth reading just for the sake of learning more about writing. The Old Man in the Sea is a classic for good reasons. It's sparse, deceptively simple, and yet remarkably profound. It's about age, it's about relevance in life, it's about meaning, it's about facing our own mortality. I'm currently reading another of his novels, Islands in the Stream, and it too makes it into the book that I'm writing. Often classics like Hemingway's remind me of the big questions that humans ask. They force me to think about my faith, not always obvious in the story itself, but how my faith would answer those questions the novelist is raising. The depth of the questions that Hemingway raises They avoid any cliché or sentimental Christian answers in response. They make me think more deeply about my faith, even when it isn't present in the story, and force me to articulate my faith in the context of those questions that it raises. I always walk away better for it. Well, that's my list. The top 10 books, my favorite reads from 2020. I mentioned it in the introduction, but I really mean it. I would love to hear the books that have impacted you this past year. You can do that in several ways. You can jump on social media, whether Facebook or Twitter, let me know what you've been reading and maybe share a list with others. Or you could always send me a personal email. My email address is just chase at pastorwriter.com, and I'd love to hear about the books that have shaped you. So here's to the end of 2020, and here's to a coming year with hopefully plenty more of good books to read. As always, Thanks for listening. You can find show notes for today's episode by going to pastorwriter.com slash 133. There you'll find a list of the books that I've mentioned in this episode, as well as links where you could buy them if you're interested. I would also uh, really appreciate it if you'd take the time to subscribe to the show. You don't want to miss some of the updates, some of the guests I have coming up in the next few months. And if you've got the time, maybe consider leaving a review. You can do that by clicking a star rating or typing out a short message. Tell me what you've enjoyed about the podcast, what you'd like to see more of, or maybe what you'd like to see change. Those reviews always help me continue to improve the show. Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy New Year. And as always, thanks for listening. Until next time.